Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Survivalist. This is the crux true survival stories, and I am your host, Casey McIntosh. I'm joined by Julie Henningson today. How are you doing today, Julie? Great, Casey. How are you? I'm so good, and I'm always so happy to see your smiling face. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, a weekly meeting. Yeah, it's the greatest. In today's episode, we bring you a heart-pounding tale of one hiker's fight for survival on a sunny but treacherous Christmas Eve morning in 2022 in the San Gabriel Mountains. In our featured story, we delve into the harrowing experience of Ruth Waraniki, a 40-year-old adventurer who embarked on a seemingly idyllic hike to Cucamonga Peak, one of Los Angeles' most sought-after mountaintops, towering over 8,000 feet. Little did she know that her descent from the summit would be a life-changing ordeal. Picture this. The sun was shining brightly, casting a warm glow over snow-covered landscape. As Ruth made her way down the mountain, a sense of tranquility enveloped her. But her serenity was short-lived. As she approached an exceptionally icy segment of the trail, her heart quickened with the realization that she was ill-equipped to traverse the perilous terrain with necessary traction. The next thing she knew was that she was awakening after a 200-foot fall with some significant injuries. Ruth Waraniki is a server in Las Vegas. Her family arrived in California right after Thanksgiving. They were actually there on a service trip. She was there with her parents and her siblings. They were doing outreach on Skid Row and visiting prisoners. She had been a very active person, very athletically inclined. On the morning of her hike, she had decided between this hike and a 20-mile run. So obviously, she's pretty used to exercising a lot. Yeah, I think she made the right choice. If I'm ever trying to choose something between um, that and a 20-mile run, I will always choose the other thing. <laughs> just like just like she did. <laughs> Do you um, regularly grapple with that question? 20-mile run or... X, Y, Z, something else. Is that a yeah. question you ask yourself you know, often? 20 mile run or <laughs> eat glass. I'll take the eating glass. 20 mile run or tetanus shots to the eyeballs. I'll take the tetanus shots. <laughs> All right. I'm so, so glad to know that. Yeah. I think I've mentioned before, not, not a runner. Never have, never will be. Okay. Now we know where you stand. Yep. So anyway, as I mentioned before, she decided to go up Cucamonga Peak 
she grew up in Colorado. She had a lot of hiking experiences. She had done a lot of hiking with her family and by herself in the past. So she wasn't thinking anything about this outing. The elevation of Cucamonga Peak stands at an impressive elevation of over 8,800 feet or 2,682 meters above sea level. It's one of the highest peaks in the San Gabriel Mountains and offers hikers stunning panoramic views of the surrounding landscape. The San Gabriel Mountain Range, which is situated in the eastern part of LA or Los Angeles County, is located in the Cucamonga Wilderness with the San Gabriel Mountain National Monument. It's a pretty popular destination for hikers and outdoor enthusiasts, and it can actually be accessed via different trailheads. The most popular is Ice House Canyon. Hiking to Cucamonga Peak offers a diverse and picturesque landscape. Hikers can expect to traverse through lush pine forests, rocky terrain, and open vistas. The summit rewards those who reach it with a breathtaking view of Southern California, including glimpses of Inland Empire, the Mojave Desert, and on clear days, even the Pacific Ocean. Pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Sounds like a beautiful spot. Yeah. This hike is 11.6 miles and it's considered strenuous with 4,300 feet of vertical elevation gain. And it takes an average of 7.36 hours to complete. I'm like, where did that average come from? 7.36. I guess they just timed a bunch of people fast they like, and slow. They were like, wear this watch, report back to us after you're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cucamonga Peak can be hiked year round, but conditions vary with the seasons. During the winter, it's not uncommon for the trail to be covered with snow and ice which can make it challenging and potentially dangerous. Hikers are advised to check the weather and trail conditions before embarking on their journey, as you should for any journey, even if it's in a vehicle, right? It's a good, just a good life habit, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. If you have any interest in climbing this peak, you need a wilderness permit to hike in the Cucamonga Wilderness, and they can be obtained at the trailhead. These permits help manage the number of hikers and just protect the natural environment. That's what I love about Montana. There's no permits for any kind of hiking. You just go do it. Yeah, unless you're trying to hike in Glacier National Park. That's true. That's true. As I said, that the national parks are an exception for sure. Right. Ruth's family was staying at Lyle Creek Campground, and the trailhead was about an hour, 1.2 hours from the campground by car. She brought with her supplies that included her hiking sticks or hiking poles, I should say, water and her phone. She told her family that she was going to be back to watch the Dallas Cowboys play the Philadelphia Eagles at 1.30 p.m. The Dallas Cowboys were oh, one so of her she dad's was, favorite teams. She, she had a pretty ambitious timeline then, given that 7.36 hour average. Right. And then you have an hour before and after. To drive between the campground and the to trailhead. drive, yeah, and also being by yourself, you're not taking time to stop probably as often and look at the scenes. You're just headed to the top and down, you know. As always, it was a perfect day for a hike. She started around six in the morning. It was sunny and warm, and she was enjoying the solitude and the beauty of the mountains. As she walked, she was listening to some oldies, some Irish songs, and some songs her father apparently made. The air was fresh with the smell of pine needles, and it was just a beautiful day. Ruth is a deeply religious person, and she said she saw and felt her creator everywhere. She arrived at the Ice House Saddle at 8.30 a.m., and this is where the trail leads up to the summit. She sent a quick text to her family, just letting them know. 
kind of what her timeline was. She sent some photos and she arrived at the summit around 9 to 9.30. She spent some time up there, about 25 minutes, just enjoying the solitude before she decided to head back down. So the trail, there were a lot of switchbacks. It's pretty steep and it was covered intermittently in ankle deep snow over just certain portions. Everything was going fine, but then she reached an area that started to make her nervous. She just didn't have that much traction on her shoes and she stopped enjoying the walk completely. She realized that she was in trouble. I don't know if you know this, but was she going down the same route she went up or was this a different, was it more of a loop? I'm assuming that she was going the same direction just because when I was reading about the trail, they were talking about it being an out and back. Gotcha. Yeah. So she uh, had passed this way before, but it's always easier going uphill than downhill. Right. Exactly. Like we mentioned before. Exactly. It's way easier to go up. She put her phone and her headphones away and she started gripping really tightly on her hiking poles. And this was her last memory. She has fear and then she's putting her things away. And then she fell approximately 200 feet down the trail and she impacted a tree, which is what stopped her fall. That's amazing. 200 feet, just a sliding fall on the ice, I'm guessing, or the the snowpack. Right. And you know what this is like? I was skiing one time. I was by myself, which is probably not a good idea, but sometimes you ski by yourself, you know, Um, was at the resort, but my ski popped off. And I had never experienced this before, but it was very sudden. And I slid so far down that hillside. It was Mm -hmm. startling how fast I was sliding. So I can imagine with the snow covered steep slope, how quickly you would just travel 200 feet. Doesn't take very long. Yeah. I'm sure it felt like a flash. Interestingly, in the winter of 22, 23, climbers and hikers in Southern California faced a heightened level of risk due to a combination of factors. A recent series of storms exacerbated the risks facing hikers in Southern California. The storms brought cold temperatures, snowfall, and icy conditions to the region, further complicating hiking. The presence of ice and treacherous conditions on the trail really posed significant risk. Tragically, some incidents in the region led to fatal falls. Krista Paula Gonzalez, she had a 500-foot fall on a nearby Mount Baldy, which resulted in her death. It highlights, obviously, the grave consequences of navigating icy trails. The weather and icy conditions led to increased search and rescue operations. At least 14 calls for help were reported on Mount Baldy alone in this time frame, obviously indicating a higher demand for assistance. There were several hikers that lost their lives while others went missing, and I don't know all the details of those, but it's mainly relating to adverse weather conditions and harsh winter environments. And also, I don't know if these hikers are used to hiking in snow or not. That would be another part of it is if you have that experience, you might consider bringing other gear. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, if you spend time, you live in Southern California, I just, it doesn't strike me as a place where you're really well equipped to be traveling across snow and ice and in these Um, adverse weather conditions that you're just not used to on a day-to-day basis. Right. When Ruth came to, she was looking at the faces of some concerned hikers, which included a man and an older couple. One of the onlookers had called search and rescue from an emergency beacon, which to me indicates that maybe there's not cell service there. Although she did send a text earlier, so it might just depend on where you are. But shortly after awakening, Ruth heard a helicopter flying overhead, and her first concern was the cost of transport. 
And at that time, she thought, I can get down all by myself. I don't need this helicopter. I think that's a common <laughs> um, thought in, for people in that situation. Maybe the most common, unfortunately, is what's this going to cost me? Right. And when you worked in the urgent care, I, did you ever have this situation where you were living this exact same thing when you're trying to tell people, no, you need the ER and the only way to get there is the ambulance. I had to do that all the time. Yeah. Oh, same. Yeah. It was like a negotiation that you saw coming a mile away and just didn't want to get into. Same every time. Not my favorite. Not only uh, ambulance rides, but even, you know, CT scans or ultrasounds or studies that you know need to be done, but are outrageously expensive. I mean, I, I get it. I'd probably be asking the same questions. Right. I was just wondering when you were thinking about her falling and the suddenness of it, have you ever experienced anything that was so unexpected, something similar? Yeah, nothing comes to mind, but I, I am struck that there must have been a head injury for her to, you know, wake up with people looking at her. So I'm curious, you know, how she hit her head and kind of what the loss of consciousness aspect of this was, because that I'm sure contributed to this feeling like it happened so suddenly. And the last thing I remember... Well, I will get into that in a minute, but when I was thinking about the story, I was remembering a time that I was hit by a car while I was riding my bike and it was completely out of the blue. I just went, you know, I was riding my bike and then I was flying through the air and I landed in the road and there were a bunch of cars and people around. I don't rem really remember what I was saying, but later I ran into someone who said that they kept asking me questions about where do you live? What's your name? Yada, yada. And I just kept saying, I'm okay. I'm okay. Over and over and over. <laughs> and if I was on a mountain at that moment, I would think I could walk down too. Part of it is just like the attention that you're getting when you don't really want it, you know? Oh yeah. The attention, the um, embarrassment, the um, adrenaline that's making yes. you feel, feel no pain and feel pretty invincible. Like you can just pop right back up. I mean, your heart rate's going at like 200 beats a minute, you know, just it's an intense kind of experience. Yeah. Ruth was finally able to assess her injuries and she started having second thoughts about self-arrest at that point. She had cuts on her hands and face. She had a gash on her head that was showing bone. She also had two broken vertebrae in her neck, but she didn't know that at the time. It took two hours for her to be rescued by helicopter. The early one apparently wasn't for her. Maybe they were picking up another slip and fall somewhere else. I don't know. Thankfully, one of the hikers that came to her aid put a ski hat on her head and they covered her with emergency blankets and Ruth iced her head with some of the snow. So at that point must have been a little bit more with it. One of the hikers used his bright orange hat to alert the helicopter to their location. But unfortunately, there were strong winds that made landing very difficult. The helicopter attempted to drop a cable a few times, but they were just struggling. A rescuer actually rappelled down to tell Ruth that they would have to evacuate her from a different spot. Ruth was struggling with pain, especially from her neck. She supported her neck with her hands and prayed, have mercy on me here. Now, please help me. She was praying to God, of course. So breaking your neck is a really big deal, right, Julie? Yeah, really big deal. Especially when you don't know you did it, because then you're at risk for moving around more than you probably should. Right. I was thinking it's impressive that she had the forethought to hold her head or hold her neck, but maybe it was just because of the pain and that was the only thing that was relieving it. Yeah. And I know, I know there is this kind of uh, human nature phenomenon where when you're injured, it's instinctive without much thought or conscious decision to 
hold and stabilize the, the site of the injury. Sometimes that can be an indication that there is an injury and, and where to look for it. Yeah. I had somebody come into the urgent care one time that was holding their neck and I called the ambulance immediately. Cervical caller, 911. Exactly. Say no more in that situation. <laughs> so these, first of all, before we go any further, I just want to even though this seems ridiculous and most people are probably rolling their eyes, but fracture and a broken bone are the same thing. So we're using those synonymously. I can't tell you how many times people have asked me if there's a difference. So same thing. Well, since we're doing a little, a little medical um, terminology 101, Casey, what's the <laughs> difference? This is the one I get. What's a, what's a compound fracture then? I think a compound fracture is another way, another term for an open fracture, oh, meaning okay. that it's involving disruption of the skin. Oh, gotcha. See, now I have to edit this out because I yeah. need to take just, medical just terminology edit. 101 again. <laughs> just just edit, edit it out. Forget it. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's see. Back to PA school. Just kidding. Don't ever want to do that again. Although one beautiful thing came out of it. I met you, Julie. So there is that. Exactly. It was an expensive uh, start of a friendship, but worth every penny. <laughs> oh, gosh. So anyway, these fractures can have profound consequences on the person's overall health and well-being. I mean, here's the thing. You can either have a ver vertebral fracture or you can have a vertebral fracture that impacts your spinal cord, which is the really big danger. Obviously, if you injure the spinal cord, you can have a range of neurological issues including complete or partial paralysis, loss of sensation and muscle weakness. Obviously, depending upon the location, you can also disrupt the diaphragm and respiratory muscle function. So all of that to say, she's really lucky that this didn't affect her spinal cord. Yeah, really lucky. Up on the cervical spine above the fourth cervical vertebrae, you need rescue breathing. You need basic life support. That's what happened to Christopher Reeve. Do you remember him, Casey? Mm, he played yeah. Superman. Yep. I really yeah. liked him. So he, as most people know, he was in an equestrian competition and he was thrown from a horse or injured in some way. And he broke his second cervical vertebrae, which disrupted his cord at C2, above C4, breathe no more. And there was a medical professional in the audience that recognized that this had happened and recognized the immediate need for rescue breathing. And so it administered rescue breathing quickly, which saved his life. And um, he lived a long time on a respirator because he could no longer breathe on his own because of the location of that cervical spine injury. So it's a big deal. Right. And I would imagine that if Ruth had a more significant injury to her, you know, if she had injured her spinal cord she may have not made it out alive because the amount of time that had elapsed from her initial injury to when she was actually removed by helicopter. Yeah. Good work, uh, bystanders. I love those stories when the bystanders are helpful and make a difference in the outcome. I know. It's awesome. So due to the wind conditions, the helicopter had to pick Ruth up from 200 feet down the trail, she had to walk 200 feet down the trail while holding her neck. The time was about 2 p.m. And the last time she had checked her phone to see or watched to see what time it was, it was 10 a.m. My guess is that she checked the time right before she put her phone away immediately before her fall. And at this point, remember, her family was expecting her back at 1.30 for the football game. Once she was placed safely in the helicopter, she did reach out to her family and they had already left the campground to look for her. Hmm. 
Yeah. Upon hearing the news, her sister said that they were shocked and devastated to find out what had happened to her. A sheriff's office statement notes, quote, the rescuer who was equipped with crampons and an ice axe hiked to her location and assessed her condition. He placed Waraniki in a rescue harness and assisted her to an open area away from the trees. They also mentioned that Ruth was dazed and a bit confused when they rescued her, but they were very thankful that they could get her off the mountain to begin with. They also said that during her fall, she had started going feet first, but somehow during that fall, she had transitioned to going head first, which explains a neck injury and a head injury, obviously. Yeah, uh, I can just picture it. That's brutal. Ruth was flown to a hospital and she spent five nights in the ICU. She needed 40 stitches and staples on her scalp and stitches under her nose and under her mouth. She underwent surgery for her broken cervical vertebrae that included screws and plates. And in regard to her neck, she said, it was definitely one of those moments that hits you hard. Like I could be paralyzed. She also had a torn ligament in her or ligaments in her leg. She had to be in a neck brace for five weeks following surgery. Although she knew she had to take it easy. She just knew that she was so lucky and said the joy and gratitude of being alive and being able to walk and talk just far, far outweighs it. She attributes her survival to her faith in God and believes that her prayers saved her life. Man, I mean, I was just thinking how lucky or blessed that there were people there when she landed. If there had been no passerbys, there had been no other hikers there at the time, who knows if she would have even made it out alive. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the benefits of having a busy uh, trail system where you have to get a permit to climb it. You're bound to run into somebody sooner or later. Well, hopefully, but this is also Christmas Eve. So you would think that that might reduce the number of people out there. That's true. After six days in a hospital bed, Ruth finally was able to take her first steps and she felt a little bit dizzy and off balance, but she said it was just like a surreal moment of, I can't believe this. I'm walking. Since her incident, she's grappled with her experience. I'm sure she's thought about all of the things that she could have done or should have done, but she knows that ultimately she's going to continue to be active and to hike and do all of the things she loves. In regard to that, while she was still recovering, she said to run and hike and walk and mountain bike and fish for trout in the Rockies. I can't wait. Her sister, Sarah, initiated a GoFundMe for her to raise funds for her surgery and just to paint a picture of the compassionate individual Ruth is, because two days before the incident, you know, she had initiated this service project and she was putting together packets of essential items, blankets, food, socks, gloves for the homeless on Skid Row. Her sister said, we distributed yeah. these packets while spending time as often do around the world, delivering these necessities to individuals in need and sharing the love and compassion of Jesus with them. Sarah emphasized that her sister is far from ordinary, describing her as one of the kindest, most sincere and most loving people you'll ever meet. She has dedicated her life to helping others, whether it's in this country or various third world nations, working in orphanages, hospitals, on the streets, homes for the elderly, juvenile detention centers, and prisons. Sarah also highlighted Ruth's love for outdoor activities, referring to her as a marathon runner, an outdoor enthusiast, and a dedicated hiker. She cherishes her time spent in the mountains and forests, just like the rest of us as frequently as she can. In hindsight, Ruth deeply regretted her decision to hike that morning and venture into the snow. At the time, it seemed safe and she thought she had sufficient traction, but you know, live and learn, I guess. She's lucky she gets the opportunity to learn. Yeah, exactly. Live and learn. Seems like it was a pretty unpredictable situation. And uh, yeah, she probably 
had a new perspective after recovering from an experience like that. Right. In closing, Ruth said, to anyone else who is suffering, call out to Jesus and he will help you. I would like to say a deep thank you from the bottom of my heart to the rescue team and the hikers who helped me and stayed with me. Beautiful. Ruth Warnicki's harrowing experience on Cucamonga Peak during a fateful early winter day of 22 serves as a powerful reminder of unpredictable and sometimes unforgiving nature in the wilderness. The risks faced by hikers in Southern California were exemplified by changes in the weather conditions. But in any case, I think that this story is really cool because we always need to hear more about people like Ruth who, you know, do things for other people. They set aside their own wants and needs for others. It's just always really heartwarming to hear about people like this. So I'm so glad that she was able to survive this situation to go on to do more hikes and help more people. Yeah. She sounds like an inspiration and a beautiful, true soul. Agreed. Well, thank you for joining us on this captivating episode of the Crux True Survival Stories. And we hope that you found inspiration in Ruth's survival story today. Your support means the world to us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback, especially when positive, really fuels our passion to bring you more stories. It really is motivating. So thank you so much. You can connect with us on Instagram at the crux survival. You can also reach out to us via email at the crux survival at gmail.com to share your own survival stories, topics that you suggest, or just say hello. And here's a little challenge for you. Make a week of adventure. If you're planning an outdoor expedition or trying something new, revisiting a past adventure, um, we'd love to hear about it. Go ahead and tag us on our Instagram. Um, just share, share something interesting with us if you want to. Until next time, stay safe, be adventurous. And in the spirit of November, I guess we should all find something to be grateful for. What are you grateful for, Julie? I know this is super cheesy, but might as well get your Thanksgiving brain ready. We go around the table on Thanksgiving and say what we're thankful for. So, you know, if you think about that right now, you won't have to be on the spot. You won't be in the hot seat later. Oh yeah. No, we do the same thing. And it usually has to do with the heaps of food in front of me and the people sitting at the table around me. So we'll, I'll just say I'm grateful for the love and family and friendship and abundance in my life. You know what I'm thankful for right now? I'm thankful that you're here with me doing this podcast because if it wasn't for you, this would not be possible. So Shout out to Julie Henningsen. You're the bomb. (laughs) You're the bomb, Casey. Thank you. Yeah, I hope you have a great day. Have a great day. Thanks for a great story. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Seriously, we really, really appreciate it. Um, You're amazing.